0: G'day everyone, it's Blandon here from Wealth HQ and welcome to today's episode of Home Seekers Podcast. Our guest today is Daniel Lipman, a seasoned financial expert with over seven years of experience in the industry. And so if you look at his face, you can probably tell he probably started when he was like 13 or something. <laughs> Daniel has helped countless individuals and small business owners achieve their property goals. But what's really interesting is that he is only 27 and he actually bought his first home at 25. So in this episode, we'll be diving into Daniel's insights on how he got into his first property and the lessons we can all learn from it. So without further ado, let's welcome Daniel to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Bland. Absolute pleasure. Always enjoy listening to your podcast and happy to be a guest.
0: One of the biggest struggles, though, Daniel, because you had a pretty impressive journey. But for a lot of younger first-time buyers has always been deposit. So did you have a similar challenge and sort of how you overcome it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, like most first-time buyers, I didn't have the luxury of a, a big gift back in my first property purchase which is just the reality of the situation these days, right? You know, a lot of families aren't in that position yet to contribute if you want to get started quite young, um, which is absolutely fine. And it's a bit daunting, right? Especially when you look at the requirements, you know, 10% deposit, 20% deposit in many cases for certain families, and that can be quite daunting. So I had those challenges, and how to overcome them? Well, obviously, feel very privileged to be working with a lot of other young people who achieved the same thing they bought purchased their first properties very very young and some did have the benefits of having gifts some didn't and those who didn't you know most of it really just came from the good old fashioned just grinding and saving that deposit right which is definitely the the least sexy part of property investing is that first stage 0 we call it we're actually just building a deposit so yeah i had those problems i mean as a financial advisor and having studied finance university i had the tools that I needed to reach the goal right. So just financial planning at the very simplest form, which is obviously very complicated because it takes place over two, three years. And that's what I was doing, Mm -hmm. just saving monthly, understanding where my money's going, I'm using tools like PocketSmith to actually budget correctly, which is quite key. Then, yeah, just building that deposit over time and and the whole thing was built up with Savings and KiwiSaver, which, um, yeah, eventually got there, but takes a lot of discipline and and just takes a lot of understanding of the rules and what you actually need, which is where the financial advice comes in.
0: Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that first property that you bought, because you didn't try to get the nicest property or the biggest property that you know, you're gonna get married and have kids in. Yeah. You kind of just, you had a look at what's out there and then you sort of go, okay, you know what, perhaps I'm gonna just get my foot in the door first. So what
1: was it that you end up buying? You can definitely say that again. I mean, in many cases, some might say I bought the worst house on, on the worst street. You're supposed to buy the worst house on the best street, but I did the, the, the both, both um, of them, but, Yeah, it was what I could afford at the time and it was the main goal was just to really get my foot in the door and start building equity. You know, I understood what I wanted out of my wealth journey and that was to buy a decent property as quickly as I can Mm -hmm. with what I had because I wanted to start building towards stepping stones and upgrading and getting towards that home that I eventually wanted, knowing that how the property market moves, right? So I bought a property in Tokoroa, a regional investment property. At the time, it was my first home. I didn't use any government benefits, but I used my KiwiSaver. There are rules around that, obviously, that your financial advisor will tell you, but you must live in the house for six months. In most cases, obviously, if you're not actually going to be there all the time, you have to get confirmation for commute or, or remote work that's signed off by employer, which obviously you being my employer i had that benefit of working remotely and i do have the privilege of obviously being all my clients online as well so those things at the time especially when it was coming into covid and that was a very happening thing worked in my favor and i was able to get my foot in the door by the first time using my savings and kiwi saver with a 20 percent deposit but you know it's a 200 grand 150 grand sorry probably purchased at the time before the market went bonkers down there so i got lucky around thirty thousand. that's what you put down 35,000 or something. 35, yeah, yeah. And that was just a very easy deposit to save, I suppose, compared to the very daunting Auckland 100K deposit, if you're putting in 20%. And then what I was able to do is hold on to that property for 12 months and um, ride the wave of some significant capital gains in the area. And then I sold that property paid the tax and with some extra savings and deposit, I was able to get into my house in, in Auckland. You
0: actually ended up paying tax on that one.
1: Yeah, because for a portion of time, I actually rented it out. So I, it became an investment property.
0: So if I was to summarize this, how you overcome the deposit challenge is that, well, you did save, but you ended up buying something that's significantly cheaper. So you at least get into properties first. Absolutely. Build a bit more equity. Start building equity. Sell that property. Yeah. And then a portion of that capital gains were tax-free because you did it as an occupied. Yeah. yeah, And then you're able to move that money into another property.
1: Absolutely. Yep. That's exactly what I did. I would encourage all first-time buyers to do something like that. But it's case by case, right? This was the opportunity that was best for me at the time. In other cases, you will have other advantages that mean that, you know, maybe you got a smaller income, but you got a big deposit. So what we do as financial advisors at Mortgage HQ and, and specifically Wealth HQ is actually understanding what is your strengths and weaknesses, a SWOT analysis, right, of your financial planning. And I think that's the most important thing that I had the benefit of having as a financial advisor. People could do that for me. And I understood my strengths and weaknesses as well. You know, I didn't have the savings, but I had a good income to service debt. So that's what I did. And so
0: I guess if you are fortunate enough to have parents with a property in New Zealand, you could potentially look at something like equity boost from mum and dad's property maybe utilizing the bank of mum and dad. Would you explain a little bit about that or how that works?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you mentioned, seven years financial advisor I've done, been a part of this conversation and helped many clients do this exact thing. Um, And there's a couple of different ways you can do it. If there are parents involved in the transaction who are keen to help, keen to contribute equity, there's multiple ways. One is the standard guarantor, which everyone seems to have heard of, or have a brief understanding of what it is, but it's essentially when you're offering up the parents' property as collateral alongside their income to secure a portion of the deposit. So if the client if the you know the kids aren't quite there to get that twenty percent, they can actually be backed by the parents and using their property. This method works. You know, there's success in in some cases it's appropriate, but we don't really recommend it that much because It does tie your financial positions together a bit more than you'd like, especially if down the track everyone wants to do their own thing you know what I mean? And I mean, just for the sake of tidiness, it's good to have that a bit separate, you know? So it's best to do it as a gift or a deed of acknowledgement of debt, which is when the parents top up on their property as a separate application, and actually either gift that money or provide that money to the kids with an acknowledgement that when this property is sold, they're the first ones to be repaid and the bank is fine with that. So that's our usual recommendation for that situation. When the parents are keen to get involved and obviously it can help you get ahead much quicker and obviously as the family build wealth together right
0: so i've got a second question here for you daniel what advice would you actually give to first-time buyers who are struggling to save up for a deposit
1: oh man that one's easy the writing's on the wall eh just talk to the wealth hq team (laughs) obviously (laughs) no but genuinely it comes down to financial planning and as a financial advisor myself, I believe very strongly in what we do. Even being in a position where I could give myself financial advice, I still sought to my colleagues to lean on them and give advice to say, hey, how should I actually structure this transaction? This is my goal, how should I go about getting there? It's really important that you lean on the resources next to you, even if it's just people in your family who have bought real estate before and understand the property journey, getting advice from them to say, okay, how am I actually going to reach this goal? But when it comes to building that deposit, it is financial planning, right? You need to sit down with a financial planner and actually get a grasp on where your money's going, how much you are bring in every month, and how can we put you on a trajectory to say, okay, is it going to be six months? Is it going to be two years to hit this goal? Because even if it is two years, you've got to get started today. Otherwise, you're never going to reach that goal. The fact that you've you know, listened to this podcast or chatted to an advisor before means that's important to you. So you have to start somewhere, you know, and for those who are a bit further behind, that doesn't mean that there's no point in at least having that conversation and getting the ball rolling because before you know it, you will get there. Talk to a financial planner, sit down and actually map out how you can actually reach that goal. You know, the sooner you start, the quicker you're gonna get there and the easier it's gonna seem.
0: That's awesome. And just so you guys know what the difference is between Mortgage HQ and Wealth HQ, and essentially Mortgage HQ, we work with buyers that are ready right they have the financial position to go you know what i can get a mortgage today wealth hu actually works with people who are getting ready which is what daniel was talking about okay need to sort out my financial budget how much am i saving how much am i putting towards the kiwi saver how am i doing my income and expense allocation and so that you know what's going out and so what they will take you through is through this what we call a mojo map and you're going to have a bit understanding of how you're spending your money and what we found on average is that once people go through that process they have this plan that they can execute on and we've seen them get results five times faster if they didn't plan definitely check it out if you guys are sort of thinking about your first home and check out the mojo map on whu.co.z now dan a lot of people talk about getting pre-approval as a first step how important do you think it is to get pre-approved for a mortgage before you start looking for a home and if it is important can you maybe explain a little bit about the process
1: i'm a big believer in the pre-approval i think it's a very important part of the process i think maybe there's a step before the pre-approval which is understanding why you want to buy a property and what type of property is important to you so early as possible in the piece you must talk to a financial advisor or you know your bank broker whoever to get an understanding of what you can borrow but before that we need to understand why you're actually trying to buy a home, right? It's going to be an investment that is going to build wealth for you long term, or are you guys actually going to live on this property, and that's important, the areas you're looking at, that sort of thing, just to understand what sort of price range you're looking at first, right? But at that stage, the pre-approval is essential. we got to go ahead and talk to an advisor, understand where we're sitting, and from there obtain finance if within six months after you chat to your broker, you can say, look, I can see this is very important to you guys, you've got the income, you've got the deposit, savings look good, we're ready to go to the bank. Let's get that pre-approval. But in many cases, it's a, hey, we're actually not quite there yet. XYZ needs to get sorted first. So yes, the pre-approval is essential. You can't really go to an auction or a open home and make an offer even if you're uncertain about your finance. So you need to have that discussion with your broker. You gotta get an understanding of where you're at and how close you are to actually getting that approval. Because a lot of people, they think, yeah, look, the bank's gonna love to have my business. But those days are sort of gone where you, as a client, have to present yourself well to the banks and your advisor will do that for you. You know, the advisors are the ones who will fight to have you as a client, but we have to impress the banks together. You know what I mean? So getting ready to, for that pre-approval is really important. But to answer your question, it's essential. And um, having a chat to your broker and figuring out how you can get there is the most important thing.
0: And I guess another approach you can take is perhaps you have found a property that you really want, maybe having that quick chat, like you say, with a mortgage advisor, understanding what you could borrow and go, yeah. yep, the mortgage advisor say, no problem looking at your situation. We can make this work at this bank yeah. and you may need to do X, Y, Z. And then from there, you can actually just make an offer subject to due diligence. And this is a really, really important aspect for first home buyers. Because if you make an offer subject to due diligence, it just means that you don't need to go ahead on the property for any reason that you don't like, right? So due diligence is a very, very broad clause. And if you have that clause, usually you might have the property for five to 10, sometimes 15 working days, especially on new builds. So what that means is you sign a contract, but there's no obligation. You basically can drop the contract at any time, 10 to 15 days, but of course, you wanna seek uh, legal independent advice. But what this allows you to do is then work on a pre-approval if the mortgage broker is quite confident, yep, you can go ahead. I think based on what you've given me, I think I can make this work. And so this is really good. If you found a property that you like and you're just like, okay, I really want to make things work. You just make an offer subject to due diligence and then you can then decide from there whether or not you wanna go ahead with the property. That's correct. My fourth question here for you, Dan, is what are some common mistakes that you see first home buyers make and how would you advise them to avoiding these?
1: The biggest one has gotta happen in the bank statements, right? That's where mm-hmm. we get all the problems with our clients if they run to issues. It's it's really just not preparing yourself for that application. Um, and a lot of times, clients come to us and it's a very sudden decision okay i want to buy a house income might be there deposit might be there maybe it's from a gift but you know look if your spending has been a bit shabby after over the last three months you might run into some issues especially if your income isn't exceeding the expectations for the banks and that's not a bad thing it just means that you got to reel things back a bit and we actually have to make a plan to say okay look It really is important for us to show the bank consistent savings, just show the bank consistent spending as well. And also, obviously, like it's been crazy in the media in the last year. The after pay, the gym visas, right? Is a big red flag. The coffees. The coffee. Yeah. Well look, I'm not gonna give you that one. People can spend money on coffees and have a car, still buy a home. Okay? Well that's that's <laughs> that's allowed. It's just when you're spending me on your means. And that's what the bank's looking for. Those clues to suggest that. Hey, if you got two, three grand on afterpay and um, you know there's a negative in your account after a month, it's a concern. And maybe nail that first before you start looking at getting a mortgage, especially at a 6% interest rate, is what we're looking at at the moment. So it's a responsible lending code. And as an advisor, I support that. I think it's important. And I think that's just the number one issue that our clients run into is just not having those things nailed. Obviously, the advisor is the key thing because we have a gateway between the clients and the banks. We love that you're trying to buy a house. We're assess the property investing as well. We're excited for you, but we just need to reel things back and do these couple things first so we don't burn that bridge with the bank. And then we can send that application through. Might just take a couple of weeks, might just take two months. But we're going to tidy things up a bit. And then we're going to push you through for that application.
0: That's good advice, Dan. And I guess another way we can look at this is perhaps on the purchase as well. Because I find a lot of 1st home buyers that I've worked with in the past... They've always wanted the best first home. They always want the first home to be the best home that they can buy or move their family in. And there's a lot of emotion attached to it. And and fair enough, right? It's your first biggest asset and you're going to take on a mortgage. But if you look at it this way, right, from a logical standpoint is that you're never going to save as quickly as a property will go up in value. And so if you can buy your first home and it doesn't have to be perfect, as long as it's a good investment long term, that's going to allow you to build equity a lot faster than if you're just trying to put money into your KiwiSaver. And that's going to allow you to do what Dan did, perhaps get into the house first, get the foot in the door. Sell it, and then you've got the tax free gains if it's own occupied, and then that's going to allow you to have a much bigger deposit on the next property, and it's going to give you a lot more options. So, your first property doesn't need to be your last, and I think getting your foot in the door is a very, very important uh, way to look at this first. My last question for you, Dan can you share a little bit about? The success of some of the first home buyers you've worked with um, some really emotional stories that you can think (laughs) of what were some key factors that contributed to their success
1: oh man look there's so many client journeys i've been on over the last seven years that I'm so proud to be a part of, especially for just representing the clients, um, because property transactions, they take a lot of perseverance, especially a first one, where the banks have very high expectations, and it's tough to meet those expectations. So um, I can think of a couple stories. One of them would probably include just a client coming to me and feeling very behind in life in terms of income and deposit, slowly getting there, but feeling as if they're a bit on the older side of the property building, you know. Journey. Journey, yeah, exactly. Meaning that they probably should have got started a long time ago. And just by the fact that I've been left so late, other things that happened in life, bit of illness, holding things up, feeling like it's probably not going to happen and being a bit discouraged from an initial meeting at the bank direct. So it did take a while for us to make a bit of financial plan to clean up the bank statements because there was some short-term debt that had accrued. And after doing that, we were ready to actually approach the bank. With the application presented the right way, we'd actually be able to get past some previous credit arrears from bad history years prior, because sometimes the banks do pull that up and get the approval. And then with some more perseverance, actually get the home and lock up a really good interest rate as well to a point where they're actually paying you know less on their mortgage than they were for rent. Um, obviously, the rising rates might be a bit different now, but that was maybe four years ago. And still, they're able to build equity in their property, You know, had some significant capital gains, and, and like you mentioned, have an asset that can yield more than they can save. And inflation is protecting that asset as well, which is the most powerful thing. So they've got a bit of a nest egg behind them for retirement now, which is the most exciting thing. So that's a massive success story. Um, you find others will be very common where the journey changes in length. right? So the first time buyer a journey, sometimes it's two weeks. You know, sometimes the client actually brings us the sale and purchase and they say, hey, this is the property I wanna buy, and we lock it up for them in a month. My longest has taken two years from when I got the first pre-approval, yeah, right? So those ones are really- um, Massive wins, eh? Yeah, massive wins for the client because The most, all clients, pretty much, they end super grateful for your support and advice. But as an advisor, you're just so happy to see them cross the finish line and how stoked they are and you go to the house and have dinner with them and it's fantastic. So those sorts of wins are just great to see. Really reiterate the fact that the journey is challenging, but you build that team, you have your financial planner, you have your mortgage advisor, you have your lawyer, you have your accountant, and you will get to where you need to go because these are people that do it every day and have done it themselves and they want the best for you and they want to see you on that journey and they want to see you grow, right? That's what makes it so great.
0: And I love it when the clients really adopt the ideology of, you know what, my first property is not my last and really go for that, hey, I'm going to buy a good investment as my first property, opposed to just trying to buy something nice, kind of halfway investment, halfway first home. It's really, really tough. But i think it's always better to get your foot in the door just buy something first at a decent price not overpaying and that's what we're here for making sure that you're not just buying anything and then later on the value goes down and if you really listen to your mortgage advisor because we're in this game all day every day we know the market really well. And you know, we're not making more money if you are just buying a property and it goes down in value. We make more money if you buy a really good property and the equity is there and you can buy another one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right.
0: (laughs) So I love it when I am able to help the client sort of get a property well under CV or well under the IVAL or the EVAL, which is what the bank valuations are and be able to find properties that have a lot of good opportunities in terms of like, you know, put a minor dwelling or maybe chop up the house for an extra income, Yeah, those are really, really good opportunities long-term. So if you don't already have somebody that you're working with for your first home, for the mortgage side, your financial planning, your lawyer, those all come if you just meet somebody at Wealth HQ, that whole team is right there for you.
1: Absolutely. Now the Wealth HQ team is absolutely crucial. You need to speak to a financial planner, understand where you're at. And these people really, really hold you accountable. I think the biggest thing for me as well is the milestone meetings that they have with the clients. Because even when I was saving for my first time, I didn't have anything like that. But just having someone hold you accountable every three months to say, hey, we set this plan, you were gonna save X a month towards getting your deposit, how are you doing? That's just gold, right?
0: That's right. So we're gonna wrap up today, Dan, thank you for your time. And just before we go, what are some of the last words for our first-time buyers
1: out there? First-time buyer, I think the best property investing advice that I ever got from an older man who's done really well on property. And I was talking to him about wanting to time the market. That was always a big thing when I was younger, because I'd seen people make some really good amount of money in a short period of time. And he said to me, don't wait to buy real estate buy real estate and wait. Oh, far out. And I think, you know, we're all long-term investors at Mortgage HQ, Wealth HQ, and I think that's just a life-changing thing, right? The earlier you can get into property, the more rewards you'll see from that. Just focus on, like you said, buying the right property rather than when you're buying it or in what conditions. That's the best advice I can give that I ever got. And it's done well for me and I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people going forward. Golden nugget right there. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, Dan. And if you guys want to learn more about properties, we've got YouTube channels, Wealth HQ, or you can search up Mortgage HQ if you're looking for more investment related type of information. And if you need to talk to somebody, you can reach out support at mhq.co.nz. Or if you're sort of just starting out wanting a bit of acceleration on your deposit, you can reach out at support at whq.co.nz. I'll see you guys in the next episode.